Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, opinion writer and columnist, and I'm joined by Metro Editor Greg Jefferson. Kerry Clack, columnist at Atoya Board. And I didn't screw it up that time. Yeah. I'm really happy about <laughs> like, that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're both amazed. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I am too. But um, be that as it may, we're going to talk uh, today a little bit about uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, the master of misinformation, and uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton's lawsuit against Pfizer over the COVID-19 vaccine. But before we do that, wanted to talk about something that's uh, coming up this week. Uh, it looks like the city council is going to vote on a CPS energy rate hike request. This is a 4.25% increase. Uh, the average uh, uh, difference uh, for the, the average uh, consumer would be uh, 445 a month. And it's uh, two years ago, CPS Energy uh, made a rate request, um, which they described as uh, an attempt to kind of get their fiscal situation uh, stable after the, the Yuri winter storm and uh, the financial distress they were under at the time. Now they're talking about it as as something to uh, to help them with uh, infrastructure investment. And, and this is, I think, going to be one in a series of of uh, rate increase requests that we're going to see over the, the coming years. Um, Greg, what's what's kind of interesting to me about this is that um, it looks like we've got a coalition in opposition <laughs> right, on, yeah. coming from opposite ends of the That's political right. spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, uh, you've got council members, uh, uh, Terry Castillo and Jayla Mickey Rodriguez, who are hands down the most liberal members of the 10, 10 members city council. And then on the right, you've got uh, kind of newcomer Mark White in District 10, who's, uh, you know, he's he's pretty, uh, pretty sharp fiscal and social conservative. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they've they've kind of come together in really not liking this rate increase. And uh, I mean, I, I know I think Mark White has talked about. Uh, possibly supporting a smaller rate mm. increase. I think he's been pushing for a smaller one. I mean, is, is it? Are they all just coming from the same place? Which is just this is too much to be to be putting on. Uh, on yeah, yeah. I mean, it's with Terry Castillo and Jalen McKee Rodriguez. I mean, they represent some of the the poorest neighborhoods sure. in the city, and uh, any rate increase is going to be a burden on many of their constituents. Uh, a little bit less so for Mark White. He represents District 10, the Northeast side. Not, um, you know, it's not quite as, you know, distressed as districts, uh, two and five. But I mean, he does, it's not a super wealthy community. Uh, so, you know, he, there will be ratepayers he represents who are going to be, you know, um, distressed at having to pay more every month for their, you know, gas and electricity. I think for him, it's the principle of the thing. I think um, he feels like there's no budget that can't be cut. <laughs> and I think uh, that that drives part of his argument that, uh, you know, CPS and the city needs to do more belt tightening before yeah. they go to, to voters or to to council to ask for a rate increase. Here, I know we had uh, we had people from CPS Energy at the editorial board uh, recently and I mean, one of the things I remember them talking about was the fact that they're <clears throat> they're kind of down on staff. They need their they're low uh, on personnel that I think they want to beef that up as well yeah. as invest, you know, do some infrastructure investment. Um, and, and he also mentioned that they had did uh, cut, you know, several executive positions yeah. over the years. And 
but the need for infrastructure, the need for, I think they, they said 10,000 new telephone poles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, no one ever wants a, a rate increase of, of any kind and always have to be cognizant of, of those who earn the least. But I thought they made a fairly strong argument about why and also in breaking it into two or three, uh, you know, smaller increments of increases. Yeah. And where our rates fit in with other yeah. uh, cities in Texas, I think we probably compare pretty favorably. Right. And it doesn't help that, you know, they got a rate increase through council two years ago. Yeah. That was the first time in what, eight years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, th- there's a really good argument to be made that uh, they should, particularly given the growth of San Antonio mm-hmm. in that time, uh, they should have had uh, a rate increase somewhere in that period, at least a rate increase, probably yeah. more, just to keep up with with demand. And so it's not surprising. And in fact, two years ago, they kind of signaled that there was, a, you know, a series of rate increases coming and, and here it is. Yeah, that's actually a consistent uh, problem, whether it's local, state or federal government when it comes to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And there's always this delay in investing in it. And then when someone really gets serious about investing in it because of the lack of investment over the years, it's, you know, it's a little bit it's more than, than, you know, if we had done the right thing all along, mm. it wouldn't be like this. Yeah, you got to be ahead of the curve yeah. on that. I mean, if you're going to be effective. Um, and, and as you pointed out, Carrie, they're, they probably could have, I mean, it would have been a hard political sell, but they could have a couple of years ago said, well, we want, we're going to do 10, 15 percent, yeah. something really huge and uh, and had all the, the pain at one time. And I, they've determined that, you know, they're I think we're, we're going to see this happen in a couple of years. They're going to come back and they've decided we're we're kind of adjusting, seeing yeah. if we need as much as we think we do uh, in two years. And we'll look at that. And but it, it, this is going to be one in a series. Um, and it's probably better to do it this way, I think. <laughs> yeah, than to and do the it. reality is, I mean, this is a city-owned utility. They're never going to do a shock rate increase. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that's just yeah. never going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, hey, we'll just get this done all in one shot. Yeah. No, you're not. I mean, they're struggling. You know, it's like what, what's really surprised me this time is that uh, they, you know, council members haven't kind of coalesced around uh, like a smaller rate increase. You know, I mean, it's True. it's like I'm, I'm surprised it it remains at you know four point two five percent. Although I think you know I think uh, Mark White this will we will probably be put, yeah be trying to push for something smaller. I doubt if that'll happen. One of the things that we've heard too is from uh, from Public Citizen, the, the uh, consumer advocacy nonprofit. They have uh, advocated for a consumer advocate for an independent mm-hmm. consumer advocate. I think. Uh, Austin, in Austin, where they also have a city-owned mm-hmm. utility, they have a consumer advocate. Um, CPS, Energy, the, the, CPS Energy has kind of argued that they don't see the need because they've they've got their they've got their board, they've got city staff, they've got mm-hmm. city council. They, there are different uh, layers where there's scrutiny happening. I mean, on the flip side of that, because it is a, a city-owned utility and fourteen uh, percent of their revenue goes to the city, you could say that. City staff and city council have a vested interest mm-hmm. uh, in in the situation, so I I can see the argument for having someone independent. It it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Although ultimately, I mean, if city council decided to do something like that, I mean that that would really be yeah. A- it just doesn't appear that council. This is something that uh, Mickey Rodriguez proposed a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, he did a, a council. Uh, no, CCR, uh, basically trying to set in motion a policy under which city council agrees to go out and hire uh, 
an independent advocate or consumer advocate. And he did, you know, to, to do a CCR, you need, you know, at least four other mm-hmm. council members. He got that. But I think it was probably, I, it, I just didn't get the sense that it was really hard support uh, because it hasn't gotten anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think you've got several council members who say, yeah, oh, yeah, we should entertain the idea. Just not now, because <laughs> that would slow things down. I mean, the council, you know, as we, you know, as we talked this afternoon, uh, CPS trustees are going to vote on the rate increase. It will almost certainly pass. And then on Thursday, council will take it up. They want to get this done, you know, by the end of the year to go out and hire, uh, you know, an independent uh, advocate would take months and nobody seems willing except for, you know, maybe Mickey Rodriguez and maybe Derek Castillo willing to, to do that. I mean, one of the, one of the complaints about CPS energy in the past, and I know former councilman Mario Bravo, you talked about this quite a bit. He felt there was a lack, a lack of transparency uh, at CPS energy. Have they, has that changed at all? Is your, your sense that, that, that no. there's been some improvement on that? Yeah. Uh, not, not that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe I've missed something, but yeah. it seems like the, this status quo kind of remains, yeah. uh, you know, like the rate advisory committee. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the argument for an independent, uh, you know, uh, advocate is that they wouldn't be beholden to, you know, CPS or city staff, um, the way this committee is. Um, and that doesn't seem to have changed. Mm. You know, one 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 thing that that uh, this this liberal conservative coalition on council made me think about on another issue in the future just made me wonder if this foretells you know something else we've talked about uh, uh, a new arena a stadium for mm-hmm. the Spurs and city funding and I've wondered if, you know if when that comes up will we see some kind of liberal conservative opposition to it mm-hmm. I mean that's for discussion, I think it's possible. Later, so. yeah, totally. By the way, I, it it is worth pointing out that we saw this two years ago. I mean, it was two years ago. There were three votes against rate increase. District ten, <laughs> Clayton Perry at the yeah. time, not Mark White, and also uh, Mickey Rodriguez and, and Castillo. So this, you know, it's uh, it's happening with one new council member, but the the outlines are pretty much the same. Really as interesting. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, we to talk a little bit about. Uh, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, who, who uh, had a recent tweet in response to uh, there was a deadly car crash at uh, the Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls on November 22nd. And uh, there was an explosion that happened. And uh, there uh, early reports. I think this came from Fox News yeah. saying that uh, there was the, the belief that it might be a, a terrorist attack. Ted Cruz uh, tweeted something along those lines. It was it was later shown. Uh, I think pretty quickly it was determined mm-hmm. that it was not a terrorist attack. This was an accident. And um, he kept the tweet up for for several days. I, I If he corrected himself or apologized or anything, I, I'm not aware of it. But, um, Carrie, you, you wrote an editorial about this. and I, But I, what I really liked was that you were looking at the fact that this is part of a pattern with him. Yeah, Cruz is, uh, and sometimes they're funny, but there's, there's I don't think there's a member of, of Congress, the United States Senate, who more often gets played with with yeah. false information <laughs> and, and then shares it on on, on Twitter than does mm-hmm. Cruz. Yeah. Uh, there have been times when there have been parody accounts that he has shared with a comment that says, this could be a parody. Well, it was a parody, Ted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe you might want to but, yeah. <laughs> hold off on sharing that. Before. You know, he does. There was, some, one, there was something a year or two ago when... Um, 
uh, story about new COVID restrictions and mm-hmm. government of of WA. And he shared that because he thought that meant it was, you know, coming out of Washington, where it was West, Western Australia. Yeah. And nothing to do. <laughs> this one was more serious because ever since 9-11, anytime there's a plane crash, an explosion, a shooting, we all think now we're conditioned. We should yeah. be to think that it might be a terrorist attack. And you, you wait for more information. And he shared this tweet that came from his right-wing propagandist, Benny Johnson, who got it from Fox about that it's an attack. And he, and he says, our worst fears have been realized. No, they hadn't been. He nope. didn't. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you were a United States senator. You were on the Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, you have access to information that we don't. And you could also wait. But, you know, it, it became a, a thing amongst, I mean, Kerry Lake, uh, the the failed gubernatorial candidate in Arizona. She shared a tweet with some, the similar information. Our worst fears have been realized. And it's the lack of responsibility mm-hmm. and the fact that it's almost like they're just waiting for something like this to happen so they could blame it on Biden. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what it's about. Because that was going to be the next step that Joe Biden, we're, we're, we're not safe in this country because he of did, Joe Biden. And he didn't correct himself. He did post another tweet where he said, Heidi and I, you know, praying for the da-da yeah. and, 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 uh, but he didn't, he never corrected the other one. And, you know, it was a, it was a couple who was going too fast in a Bentley and the yeah. car took off and crashed and exploded. But in that first tweet, he referred to them as, as, as attackers. Uh, and has never apologized for that. Yeah. And, you know, the, I mean, there are two things happening here. I think one is that, I mean, it's, it's a, we live in a climate where I, th- I think a lot of people feel um, uh, a desire to be first rather than yeah. than correct the, to get to, to get to be quick with a response rather than make sure that you know what you're talking about. Um, you expect more. You should expect more from a U.S. Yeah. senator. I don't. I don't necessarily expect more from him, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but you should be able to expect more. As you said, he has access to a lot of information, and he also mm-hmm. should have a sense that he, he has a big platform, and he should I mean, I ex- a sense of responsibility. A Marjorie Taylor Greene, she does stuff like this. Yeah. I, I I I I think she's just stupid. Yeah, you know, one thing you can say you have Cruz isn't isn't a, yeah. a dumb man. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent, so it, it's it's more cynical. He knows what he's doing. And and the idea, the thing is that if you 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 get the, you get the clicks in the moment, mm-hmm. if you're later proven wrong, mm-hmm. you can just ignore it. And that's the the other thing that I think is happening here, which is very much uh, a product of the Donald Trump era in politics, which is you don't apologize for anything, yeah. you don't you don't acknowledge it. If 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 you were, you know, uh, if there was a hoax and you fell for it, just ignore it. And you because the worst thing you can do is to apologize. Yeah. For anything, I, I mean, there there was a time actually when people kind of when politicians said hey, I was I was wrong. Um, I mean, I, th- I think going back to like the Bay of Pigs, that one stands out to me. John Kennedy it yeah. was a horrible situation, but basically said it was my mistake, and uh, and his poll numbers went up, mm-hmm. which prompted him to say apparently privately saying it's just like Ike, uh, the worse you do, the better they like you. Um, <laughs> but um, but um, which you know maybe was unfair to Dwight Eisenhower. But yeah. anyway, the, the the point is that that people appreciated um, a willingness to take responsibility and and say you did something wrong. Um, and I don't know. I think we've lost that. Yeah. Maybe it's certainly our politicians have, have lost that. Yeah. I mean, with, with Ted Cruz in particular, I just, I, I feel that he's a politician who finds kind of the, 
verification of facts, uh, and sometimes facts themselves are meaningless. It's, <laughs> it's all in service of the argument mm-hmm. and, you know, owning the Biden administration. Because, yeah, I mean, this Rainbow Bridge tweet was a setup, as you said, to criticizing the, the, the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, to him, the, it was maybe inconsequential what the actual facts on the ground were. Those were still kind of being sorted out and determined. Yeah. Uh, he had an argument to make and he was going to set it up and he was going to make it. Yeah. There were, and, and, you know, it, it, there are at least probably at least a few people who didn't follow up, maybe saw his tweet and mm-hmm. it maybe reinforced some sense that we're not safe in this country. And so mission accomplished for yeah. Ted Cruz, if that's what he was trying to, to, to do. Mm-hmm. And as you, you said, Greg, I mean, the facts were really just, you know, yeah. kind of irrelevant, I guess, to him in this case. Speaking of, uh, of a political figure who, um, doesn't have the highest regard for, <laughs> for, for accuracy or the truth. Um, there he is. Um, Texas Attorney General Ken, Ken Paxton. He's, uh, he's at it again. He, uh, he filed a lawsuit. Dave P. <laughs> in uh, uh, last th- uh, Thursday in Lubbock County District Court against Pfizer uh, over the uh, COVID-19 vaccines that they manufactured. And, uh, you know, his argument is that they, uh, you know, they were, uh, they misled people. Um, I think that the, the, the suit says uh, Americans were given the impression that Pfizer's vaccine would end the COVID, uh, coronavirus pandemic and contrary to Pfizer's public statements. However, the pandemic did not end. It got worse. Um, so he's asking for, <laughs> for millions in damages. So is he going to go after the manufacturers of the flu vaccine? Yeah, <laughs> because that, that's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's still around. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> in some, some years it's worse. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I, I've often wondered, you know, um, you know, there's an understanding of how vaccines work. I mean, <laughs> vaccines are, are, are to to you know, fortify the body to to be able to to withstand uh, uh, whatever you might con- contract. Mm-hmm. They're not it, it not necessarily to eradicate it. Although your hope is that over a, a, a period of years, and I think what we've seen with with COVID is, I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly part of our world, and there mm-hmm. are people who are in hospitals right now because of it. But I think that what we've seen over time is. Uh, and I think largely thanks to vaccination that the numbers did go down and um, we've seen variants. But as I think with each variant, the it has it has weakened. Um, so I, I just wanted to look, you know, look at the numbers a little bit because, I mean, what he's he's what he's kind of playing with is, you know, saying that, you know, that that we've seen, uh, you know, more people die since mm-hmm. um, in January 2021, which was right after the vaccine went online. I think mm-hmm. it, I think it went online in December. The first it, it 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 the first few weeks things were really disorganized as far as the distribution and the uh, you know the, and actually vaccinating people. And I th- Joe Biden doesn't get a lot of credit for this because there the vaccine is so controversial now, mm-hmm. but I think one of the things that uh that his administration did was I think they brought some organization to yeah. to the process when when he took office in January 20th of that year. But in early January uh, 2021, we were at the worst point of the pandemic because the vaccine was really just starting to be administered. And we were averaging more than 3000 deaths per day, uh, in the, in the country. Um, the, I think by June, uh, of that year, I want to make sure I have the numbers right on this, but I think by June of that year, um, we were down to, um, 300 per day, which is, is horrible, but you know, that's a 90% drop that we saw in five months. Um, 
And if anything, you could have you could have uh, uh, thought that we might see the numbers go up during that period because this was during a time when you started this because of the the rebellion against some of the restrictions yeah. and wearing masks and these kinds of things that states were, were opening up more and more. Texas certainly did. So people were out amongst each other a lot more during that five-month period, but yet we saw deaths drop by 90%. Um, is it is it just pure coincidence or is it the fact that we had uh, a COVID vaccine that was starting to be administered to the country? Even, even now, uh, I mean, and to Greg's point about the flu, I mean, I don't remember Pfizer or Moderna ever saying that this is going to eliminate it. It's, it's, it's going to, it's just going to go away. Um, it's going to be with us. I mean, we've, it's going to take on different forms. And, you know, I've gotten to the point where I no longer carry a mask in my pocket, but I, I still, I, I wonder. Sure. But as often as we are out in public and, and it, all of us are out in public and most don't wear a mask anymore. Yeah. People still get sick with COVID, but they're not dying. Well, it, it's interesting because I was thinking about uh, about that point a couple of weeks ago because uh, I was listening to, you know, Bill Simmons has his, his sports podcast mm -hmm. and he was talking to his, uh, you know, his his sidekick on the podcast and saying uh, a couple of weeks ago saying, ah, yeah, I had a really a kind of a lousy week. I got COVID and I was just, you know, and he was talking about it like, you know, <laughs> right. you know the way the way we've often talked right. about getting yeah. the flu. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know and I, I, I want to say I know for many people it's currently suffering with it. Uh, I mean, it's much more serious yeah. than that, as it is for some people who get the flu. But I think that's, it's starting to become that kind of reality in our- Yeah, I mean, I think we've all had the experience of, we've, we've, either, we've either had it or, you know, coworkers have had it, friends, and it's just not been, like the existential threat it was in 2000. It's just, it's uh, in general, uh, yeah, it's becoming more flu-like. It's endemic now, not- you I can know, say not, I, not really pandemic. I had it twice. I had it before the vaccine and after the vaccine. I was much sicker before the vaccine. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, just just the, the numbers would would indicate that this the, the vaccine had a, a had a tremendous effect and would have had a, a bigger effect. You know, but there were scare tactics that were employed to keep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the great majority of, of people in the country uh, uh, did get vaccinated, but a lot of lot of millions didn't. Um, and one of the things that gets left out of Ken Paxton's lawsuit in saying that, you know, that these big claims were made for the vaccine that were exaggerated is that some of the biggest claims for it came from his hero, former President yeah. Donald Trump, um, who in December 2020, in his final uh, weeks in office, was saying this is going to be a, a miraculous and it's going to have a big change. And we know that um, he was... Internally, he was pushing to see if, if the vaccine could be could get emergency approval before the November 2020 election yeah. because he thought this could swing the election for him. Um, and that didn't happen. But he was pushing hard for it. And it's one of the strange, strangest stories in politics, I think, in, in recent years that Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. uh, I there's there's so much that he did in, in office that I object to. But I think that his his desire to get the vaccine uh, the process of getting a vaccine, uh, you know, approved and 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 um, just to make sure that that he got out there, I think it was one of the the, the positive yeah. stories about his presidency. And totally agree. Um, his his biggest yeah. supporters, many of them, hate the vaccine. He he when he the rare times that he talks about it, he talks he actually will preface it by saying, ah, "People don't like me talking about this," and it's just a very odd yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. I, I'm not expecting. I think I, my 
I could be wrong, but I think this Pat is in Bowden. He's in Bowden now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. After he came out of yeah. the impeachment. Yeah. 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 Everybody thought he was going to be unleashed. Now it's unhinged. Yeah. And I think this uh, will, lawsuit will be about as successful as, <laughs> as, it, as it's challenged the 2020 election. That's, I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. Hope everyone's doing great and uh, good luck with the Christmas shopping. And we'll, we'll be back with you next week. Take care. 